Um, is Anton here? Please, can you come here, Anton? Anton's looking for somebody to finish pouring his coffee. Thank you, Annaline. Okay, I'm going to... Um, um, who's doing the uh, vision today? Okay, wonderful. I'm going to give you a scripture to put up, please, that Anton is going to read for us. And please use the New Living Translation. Um, uh, and it's 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 to 11. Um, I'm going to give it to Anton because he's got such a beautiful voice and because I left my reading glasses at home. <laughs> the NLT is the easy version. Got it, I say. Okay. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for a living and godly life. We have received all of this by becoming to know Him, by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by the means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I'll keep on. Okay. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more... Am I going? Is this scripture still? Yeah, it is. Sorry. I was like almost reading Lucas's notes here. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from the old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand, a, grand, a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you have been taught. And it is, and it is only right, and I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave the, uh, this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. Thank you. Thank you, Anton. <clears throat> so, Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts from your word today. Uh, by your spirit, Lord. Um, what I want to speak about today is God's power and how we access that power. Power to live a holy life. 
power to live a life filled with love, a life where we pour out ourselves to serve God and to serve the people around us, power to grow up and become more like Jesus. And how many of you know that we need power to do those things? And how many of you know that we don't have that power in and of ourselves? But the good news is that God has given us, by his divine power, everything that we need for living a godly life. If we just put the beginning of that scripture up one more time, please. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. I don't know what translation you have. Um, uh, it's not your fault. Um, but that is not the new living <laughs> that I have. Can I read you mine? Okay, let's take that one off the screen because it's so difficult trying to read one and listen to one. Okay, will you listen to this? By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this, the divine power, by coming to know him. So we, we get power through the host pipe, through a channel. And the channel is coming to know him. The one who called us to himself and to his own glory and excellence. So I'll say that in English. God's power is available. It's everything we need. And he gives it to us when we get to know him. And then it says, and because of his glory and his excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. Say promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So, there's power, and it's available by getting to know him. And because of his great glory and excellence, because of who he is, he's given us promises that enable us. Another word for enable is empower us to live and to become like him, to share the divine nature. And so the way we access God's power is by getting to know him and getting to know his promises. Are we? And then he says, in view of that fact, in view of the fact that God's power is available, and that it comes to you by getting to know him and by getting to know his promises and believing them. In view of that fact, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So, so, so there's, a, there's a fact first. The power is there, it's available, and you can get access to it by knowing him and knowing his promises. That's the fact. But now, he says, in view of the facts, 
I want you to do something. I want you to work really hard at something. Make every effort. That means make every effort in English. And then he says, I want you to add things to your faith. Remember Tanya brought a word? God wants to blow wind into our faith today. Make, uh, and all I'm doing, I'm reading you the scripture. This is not preaching. I'm just, so it says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And then supplement your faith. That means add to it a generous provision of moral excellence. And, and then he lists, I think there's seven things that you need to add to your life with every effort you can. Peter is teaching something very different to what we hear a lot of preachers and teachers teaching in the world today, which is believe in Jesus and then sit back in your armchair and let God do everything. Peter is saying, get to know Jesus, get to learn his promises, and then work your butt off, excuse me, work hard to add to that faith these things. And he lists moral excellence or goodness or virtue. In other words, living a good life. He says, do all you can to be good and to be good to others. And then he says, add to moral excellence knowledge. Why? Because the more knowledge of God you have, the more access you have to the promises, to the power. The more you know God, the more power you have in your life. And add to knowledge self-control. Why? Because Andrew teaches us that the biggest hindrance to fruitfulness in our lives is us. I know that to be true. The biggest hindrance to my growing in God and my serving God and being fruitful in the kingdom is me. My constant being distracted. You know, squirrel. <laughs> Self-control. The biggest hindrance to my health is my mouth. What I eat. Do you understand? Like, if I, which I constantly do, you know, I'm always trying to lose weight by eating more and more sugar. <laughs> Self-control. Then patient endurance. I'm the best at starting things and the worst at finishing them. And so I start off all excited and, wow, look at me. And then, you know, squirrel. <laughs> and then it's the next thing. You know, the elders know, I, 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 I'm accountable. I, I, you know, I, I need to be held to the line, you know. And the next thing is godliness and then brotherly affection and love. Okay, so, so the goal, the goal is love. And what this isn't, it's not a list of once you have faith, okay, now add moral goodness. And once you have moral goodness, because you never have moral goodness. There's always more. 
This isn't a, a list, do, do the first until you have it, then do the second. No, no. This is add more moral goodness and more faith and more love and more knowledge and more, and then more moral goodness and faith and love and perseverance and patience and endurance and more and brotherly affection and love and then add knowledge and then add. Does that make sense? We've never arrived, Peter is teaching. And then he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you want to live a fruitful life, make every effort to grow in these character traits. Joey spoke about character last week. Awesome preach. Right? If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. But the more you make every effort to grow in Christ-like character, you add these, these attributes, the more, the more productive and fruitful you'll be. Which means the more glory there will be for you in eternity. And the more fruit you'll see in your life and in those around you. But he then says, but those who fail, and guys... All I'm doing, I'm just reading you the scripture. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. I know what it's like to be short-sighted. Um, I have the privilege of having been short-sighted most of my life. Um, I, I have a, and now it's a, it's, a, it's a minus six in my right eye, and a minus seven in my left. Actually, it's minus six and a half and minus seven and a half, but my contact lenses, they have to anyway. So basically it means blind and blinder. And I know what happens when I take my contact lenses out, right? At night. And then I forget to locate my glasses before I take them out. I'm holding onto the doorpost between the, the toilet where there's a little bin where I throw them away, um, and the bathroom basin, which is over there somewhere, where my glasses are, usually. And, yeah? and then I trip over the bathroom thing, or yeah, and I'm like, where are the glasses? They were, and then I see this dark patch near the tap, you know, and I'm like, is that my glasses? No, 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 that's my razor. Yeah. <laughs> It can get dangerous. You know, if I take my contact lenses out now and I look at you, I have, I have no idea who you are. I will see like this haze. And the Bible says if we fail to add these things to our life, it's like we're short-sighted. When we look forward, we can't see God. We can't see heaven coming. We can't see the promises at all. And we become short-sighted, and so we can't find the path because our eyes are so hazy. And so what happens is we start to hear, go this way, the world that way, and we're like, you know, off the path to destruction because we're short-sighted and maybe even blind. 
Because we don't have a vision of heaven, a purpose for our lives. When we wake up on a Sunday, we're, we're like, what's the weather like outside? Should I come today or not? Because we can't see Jesus. We can't, there's no purpose. There's no fire. There's no, because we've become short-sighted and blind. And when we look backwards, we forget where we've come from. We can't see the cross. We can't see the price that was paid. I want to preach to you as well. I'm preaching to them. We, we can't see the cross. We, we, we can't see the life we once lived. We can't see that we were headed to hell and then we were rescued. We were saved by grace. We, we forget all these things and it becomes about, am I comfortable in my life? Am I happy? Both of which are totally irrelevant. It's only relevant to blind people. Does that make sense? And so he says, the very next sentence, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand, according to Anton, but grand entrance into the eternal kingdom. I'm sorry, I, it, it is just funny. A grand entrance, grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There, there's a story, it's called Glenda's Long Swim. And it's a story of this lady, Glenda, who was married to uh, uh, a, a man. They were, they were Australian. And they uh, had just gotten married. A young couple, and they were on honeymoon. And they went on a yacht vacation. They were staying on the boat. And they decided, being on this yacht, that they would um, anchor the yacht and go for a swim. And uh, her husband, I can't remember his name, I think it was Mike, um, was an Olympic swimmer. And you know Australians are good swimmers, especially the Olympic ones. What's that guy's name who won all the medals? Oh, no, he was, that, he was American, wasn't he? Michael Phelps, yeah. But he was American, hey? Okay, so it's relevant. So forget about that. But... So what they do is they, they, they let the anchor down and, they, and, and she jumps in. But she is not a strong swimmer. And so what's interesting is she kind of, she's in, you know, the water and she comes up and she's kind of, you know, swimming and floating and treading water, you know. And, and, but he notices she's moving away from the boat very quickly. And so he thinks, and he says, are you okay? And she starts to go towards the boat you know, as fast as she can, but she just continues to move away at, at speed. And so being the loving husband that he is, he jumps in to save her. And he gets to her very quickly. You know, he's a very strong swimmer. You know, he gets there and he kind of, you know, helps her. And, you know, don't panic, lovey. It's okay. You know, come, we're going to go to the boat. And now the boat is about 100 meters away. And he's like, and he realized there is a very strong rip current 
under the boat. And the boat wasn't moving because of the anchor, but they were now caught in the rip current. And so he says to her, we need to get back to the boat now. Swim as hard as you can. And so he, he pulls off, you know, and she's going as fast as she can. And, you know, after about two minutes of swimming as, as hard as he can, you know, he kind of looks up and he sees, and he's a good swimmer, that he is probably 150 meters away from the boat now. And he looks back and she is almost 200 meters away. And he realizes this is a problem. And so he swims back to her and he, and he says to her, okay, you're not going to be able to make it back to the boat. He, to be honest, he wasn't sure he is going to make it back to the boat. And he says to her, stop swimming. Lie on your back, because now she's starting to panic. And he's kind of starting to panic. Lie on your back and just float, okay? And just don't swim, just float. Don't use your energy, just I will swim back to the boat, and then I'll get the boat, and I'll come and get you. So she says, okay. So, and she lies on her back and floats. And he starts to swim as hard as he can towards the boat. And he is pulling, you know. And the boat is moving further and further away from him. And by this time, she's 500 meters away from the boat. And, 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 and it goes, and he goes, and, and he's now swimming as hard as he can. He's swimming as hard as he can. And he's starting to get tired, and he's, and he's not making any, and eventually the boat is almost on the horizon. And he looks back, and he can't see his wife at all. And he thinks, I need to keep the boat in sight. Because he knew, as soon as he loses sight of the boat, even when the tide turns and the rip stops, he doesn't know which way to swim. And then they're both going to be dead. And so he, and he goes, and he goes, and he goes. And eventually, as it gets to evening, he's swimming as hard as he can. That boat is just on the horizon. The tide turns. And just before it's too dark or whatever, he gets to the boat, exhausted, and pulls himself up onto the boat, and he phones the lifeguard, and they send boats, and, and they're looking into the night. They can't find his wife anywhere. That's the night, and they wait. And the next morning, they send planes to go and look, and they spot her. Miracle. And she's lying in the water, waiting. And they sent a helicopter, then a boat, and they picked her up and they rescued her. And she was freezing and whatever, but they managed to save both of their lives. What's the point of the story? This world has a very strong rip current. James talks about it like the waves of false teaching and doctrine or lies that come against us. It's like, have you ever been in an airport and there's, a, there's that little conveyor belt that your bags come on? If you just stand on the belt, you're going to go with it. You need to walk with the, on the belt or run on the belt if you're going to just stay in the same place. And Peter says, make every effort to swim towards the boat. In another place, Paul says, in, he, uh, in, in Hebrews, I, th I, I, I think it's the author of Hebrews, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. 
fix your eyes on Jesus. In, in, in Colossians 3, um, the Apostle Paul says, fix your eyes on the realities of heaven. Um, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4. Let's, let's just read that together. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ is in the place of honor at God's right hand. It says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, which means make every effort to add to your faith goodness and knowledge. And they're preaching the same message. They're saying, you're in the water of this world and heaven is there, but you need to keep your eyes on it and you need to Pull with all your strength to swim towards Christ and towards heaven. Because if you don't, you will drift away. But if you do, when you win the race, you will have a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of God. in the land <clears throat> it's, it's maybe a different message to one that we're particularly used to this is a message of it's a call to hard work it's a call to diligent effort practically speaking it's a call to wake up and go to the Bible first and to keep the phone and the everything off and the, and the social media off. It's to, it's, to, it's to go to the Word of God first. It's to sit at Jesus' feet and, and to knock. Morning, Lord, I'm here. I want to hear you. I want to do your will for my life today. Look, it's, it's every morning to the Lord first. It's every day, Lord, what do you want with my life today? Okay, I'm a teacher or a mum or a husband or a... Okay, I, I, I'm those things, but first, Lord... I want to fix my eyes on you. I want to do what you want with my time today. It, 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 it's when you get home in the afternoon, what do you do with your kids? Is it, is it, is it go sit in front of the TV and, and, and let them get taken by the tide? Or is it come let's talk about what I read in the Bible this morning and what did you read in the Bible this morning? It's, it's making every effort. It's, it's, it's choosing how much time to spend on entertainment and, and stuff like that, or, or rather to go back to the Word of God. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is as we make the right choices day by day, and we make the right effort day by day, we see growth in strength, and growth in character, and growth in godliness, and growth in love, and growth in fruitfulness. And suddenly our Christian life is full of fruit and joy, but it's a day-by-day, choice-by-choice thing. There, um, as, I, as I close, there was a, a, a very famous theologian, Jonathan Edwards. Anyone heard of him before? And he made some resolutions about his life, which is some, some decisions, some choices. 
And he wanted to make the choices up front because he knew in the, in the heat of the moment he might not be able to make the same choice. He might choose rather to please the flesh or to go after the world. or to. And so he made some resolutions, some decisions while his mind was full of God. And one of his resolutions was this. I'm going to read it to you. He says, I have resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. With all the power, might, vigor, vehemence, yea, violence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. In other words, I resolve to make my eternity as happy as possible. By every effort I can possibly bring myself to in this life. What a wise man. But how completely opposed to this world is that kind of thinking. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 12 to 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. And to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Um, I started off speaking about power. And the Bible says there's only one source of power that will let us overcome, that will let us win the race, that will let us grow in Christian character. 1 John 5 verse 4 to 5 says this, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so I want to I close with that. The, the source of power is faith. No. The source of power is God. But the way we access that is by believing God. The problem is it's very hard to believe God in this world. And we have to fight with all we can to believe more and more so that we can put aside the tides and the pull of the world around us. Amen? Amen. Um, that was 28 minutes, eh? <laughs>